Welcome uh, to the VPL podcast, uh, Mr. Will. Hello. Mr. Will of the Black Pants Legion, uh, current uh, chairperson of the Pants Rod, uh, the the uh, current polity of the Black Pants Legion, I should say, the current recognized... The, the legislative body. Yes. The, the Yeah, hi, uh, this is William Roy, and you are not listening to the Green Box. Yeah, you're not on the Green Box. For people who have heard him before, you have heard Will on the Green Box, which is a Delta Green-centric podcast for people out there who love Delta Green, and I know I do. Yeah, we're not an official Delta Green podcast, but we are officially a Delta Green podcast. Yeah, so if, if it, by, by even me mentioning Delta Green, Green the handful of times I have, I think that I am largely uh, the second most popular Delta Green podcast. It's, it's, I hate to say that uh, because it is a really cool game. It is a niche game and it is good for all sorts of shenanigans. You can play it fast and loose. Our Deltard Green game was not the, not, not, not rare. That is fairly common. And, and Delta Green. Fairly common, yeah. Because yeah. like, run away and dynamite everything is a meme for a reason. I I think that mm-hmm. in Delta Green, you find that there are many reasons to just destroy everything with with no no abandon need. Just just destroy scorched earth, no problem. That that is that is how a lot of people tend to approach it from the outset. It's one of the safer options for sure. It, just another weird fact, and in addition to many uh, of Will's accolades of holding his own podcast and being leader of the Black Pants Legion's first historical voluntary legislative uh, body, because we had one forced on on everyone in the mayor's race. We said we will have a mayor's race because someone made that suggestion. And then we had uh, the Gilded Age, which was kind of a mixed bag. Some people embraced it and some people were like, I don't get it. But some people also don't get goob as a concept. And yet that trades hands in the Legion every day. It looks like Wall Street. Yep, somehow. Somehow. It's bizarre. It's, it's, it's a very bizarre concept. Some people are trying to acquire as much as they can. There's and even a casino for it. There is a casino being run on Goob, and people attend regularly and are like, ah, yeah, stacking the table with Goob and having ga- I, It is remarkable. Uh, there's also a few investment banks of Goob. I, I believe... Really? Yeah, they're all scams. Um, uh, well, they've all yeah. made... It- they have made uh, <laughs> they have made promises uh, for percentages and returns that would make Ponzi <laughs> schemes seem suspect. They are they are <laughs> massive, massively overstating any possible goob they could earn because they don't understand that goob just doesn't like a real investment bank acquire interest when it sits still because it's just generated for being active in a legion. That's it. It's it's so we've got. All of these weird things going on, but the pants rod is uh, the idea you had, which is um, modeled off the lands rod in Dune, uh, the, the great many houses of the lands rod, um, oh. on, on, on all holders of chome uh, fiefdoms and direct shares. And I was... It's, it's, it's more modeled off of what I could remember from debate club many, many years ago when I was in school. Canadian debate club, which I'm sure yes. is a lot more... Westminster Parliament. Yeah, so uh, you you decided to invent this Parliament of the VPL, and people actually signed up and showed up. And could you run people through what the pants rod um, discussed? Like, because okay, because I, I I listened to parts of it. What 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 was our first resolution? Let me go ch- let me go check. I have to look it up. I think it was something about goob inflation like how much goob is there we don't yeah no it was it was uh this house shall address the issue of goob inequality is it it, be more active don't be shit and don't give it to fries he has enough he has all the goob like if you're like why don't i have goob look at fries fries has all the goob well anyway the house ultimately decided not to address the issue of of goob inequality so uh there you go just as effective as a real legislative body but um the main idea that i had for the ponce rod was that the teams would be assigned at random um because i figured it's 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 easy to Defend a position that you personally agree with or, or that is popular. The true test of a debater is to defend a position with which you do not agree. All right. So I, I like the idea of 
I was gonna posit some really weird questions to the pants rod. Um, I, I was I was just gonna I was just gonna discuss like I, I like the idea of one of the other BPL horrible creations is the BPL alignment chart. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it was like, is this a sandwich? And then on the other end, it was like the then they decided to do the uh, soup alignment chart. Oh no! And deputy's creation of the soup alignment chart, uh, it, grease is soup, was was the <laughs> Was the reductive takeaway from that? Oh no! And so I, no. Yeah. So I'm 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 thinking that that is is grease soup should be debated by the pants rod and to see if this august chamber commands such uh, keen intellect and sharp minds as it claims to. Be it resolved that grease is soup. Yeah, we can we can put that in. I I, I, I could see I could see stellar arguments on both sides. Mm-hmm. But so um, you run a very successful, uh, at least known, which is to say something, because most people don't even know about Delta Green, but they know about the podcast. You run this uh, podcast about Delta Green. Yeah, we, we are one of the podcasts ever. Yes, it is one of the podcasts ever um, called The Green Box. Wonderful podcast. You also have Thank you. a wonderful collection of adventures and what have you that you've you've written uh for delta green but you and i co-opted and wrote one uh we we which was a very bad concept which i pitched on the green box and and the idea was you have a team that was running well you you tell them you're the delta green master yeah okay so the scenario is called one too many nights of the opera and I was I was kicking myself because like the day after I submitted I I realized I should have called it looking for Lovecraft in all the wrong places. Oh, that would have been so sharp. Yeah, that would so have anyway, been all right. This, all right, this veteran team rolls up to this this small Midwest U.S. town um, and they start looking into all this weird stuff that's happening. Um, none of it's supernatural. It's all just normal weird small town stuff but these guys are so so far off the deep end so low on sanity and have so many fucking disorders that they're just their own paranoia drives them into this this insane insanity conspiracy spiral so they <laughs> they, they end up driving up to to the town reservoir um in the middle of the night during a storm um because because like ufos at the reservoir that's a reference to a, a very famous delta green published scenario they drive up there it's stormy it's windy they panic uh they drive off the road into a ravine and they're all killed in the crash so anyway what what delta green knows is this this team of agents uh they've missed their scheduled check-in so they send the players to go and see what happened to them and see what's up so the players roll up into town and it's all just like weird stuff and and that's 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 the best thing is that they find the lunatic asylum of the team that's gone off the deep end yeah. and all of their ties that are just completely innocuous if weird yeah, small yeah, yeah, town yeah. weird they they find the hotel room where they set up and it's yeah. like uh it's like always sunny in Philadelphia you know it's the, the board of crazy with all the the lines and the photos and the notes all over the place and yeah there's a bunch of fun little references to well-known scenarios in there like there's a there's a table that has a triskelion on it which is a reference to music from a darkened room oh there's um there's an antique shop owned owned by uh, a guy whose last name is green and he has a storage locker so that that right there is supposed to be like a oh it's a green box that's that's gonna be great i i i i i like the idea of like larpers that that we we put in yeah the larpers yeah yeah. just just the the kids in the woods playing like D &D or something and then the locals think it's it's oh it's it's a satanist in the woods Oh yeah, because it's some crazy local. It's it's a crazy corn-fed town. There's nothing to do, so all the cool kids like go out in the woods and smoke pot, or the nerd kids go out and play D and D or <laughs> vampire or whatever. Yeah, and you just got so much to play with. Yeah, but ultimately, there's nothing. There is nothing overtly supernatural going on in this town. It's all just it's all just red herrings. Yeah, it's it's just I I love that it's. It's a red herring thing just to see what kind of party you've got. Because if you have a really good Delta Green game and you have a really good Delta Green party that thinks they know how to solve problems and get to the bottom of stuff, and you've got people who are, oh, yeah, I know how to solve every Thulu thing there is and blah, 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 and I've read all the lore, dump this scenario on them, dump one too many nights of the opera on them, 
and don't tell them what the scenario is. Say you got it off the internet and and just fuck their shit up because they will probably kill two or three people. I, I was if, reading. If you've yeah, got w- a party who understands how to investigate, you know, mysteries and, and ask the right questions, they'll, they'll probably figure it out. Um, some people might not really have a good time. Personally, I think that investigative gameplay is itself a lot of fun. It it can be, but we both have also seen Mike subject me to games where it's like, I'm like, how the fuck do I open this door, Mike? And he's like, oh, well, you didn't throw the crystal baby at the wall and take the baby dust over to the magic golden flame to get the amber crystal, which you then need to put in the scales in the lobby of the hotel you visited when your grandmother died. And when you do that, you get the jeweled scepter. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's Sierra Logic. I can't do this. I don't have time for Sierra Logic Gates or Sierra Logic Games. I just want to play Speaking of, let's get to the main topic of the podcast. Thirteen minutes in, um, or whatever. Does the show this has is. topics? Yeah, there. No, fuck no. We try. So I was on your podcast. We talked Dune. I I said, yeah, gotta get Will. Gotta get Will on the podcast. Talk Dune. I love Dune. You love Dune. 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 Good. Dune. 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 So much cool. Wahad and the passing of. His way. Bless, bless the no, maker listen, in his water. I need to talk about the new Dune movie. I love. You mean Dunk? What? Dunk. Dunk. Yeah. Dunk. Why? Why? D U N C. It's like the. Oh yeah, because the font. Look. Because because the font makes it look like a C, right? It's okay. Like, there there were there were things I need to say. There. Okay. If you guys are mad at any spoilers that follow, you need to read yeah, a book. Spoilers for a fifty-year-old book. Uh, more like 70, my guy. And it's, oh, yeah, it's so God, really? ancient, ancient book. If you, it, haven't, if you read, haven't read Dune by now, you're not going to. It's like spoiling the ending of Hamlet. Listen, Hamilton has an okay day, right? I, I said Hamlet. You know, Shakespeare? Same guy. Anyways. Right, yeah, so, of course. Very long live. Uh, so uh, here's what we're going to do. We're gonna we're gonna talk about the new Dune movie, Dune as a concept, many other things. I fell in love with Dune a million years ago. I've read all the books many times. I consider the proper Dune universe to be those which were written by Herbert while he was not hurting for money and very old. So I I like everything up until the Worm Emperor dies, and then I'm like, good ending spot, cool. The scattering, I can accept this. Yeah, that's uh, about what, where I cut it off too. Um, I, rem- I I know that I read Heretics and Chapter House. I just don't remember anything about them. And and the books beyond that point tend to they, they get a little weird. Oh yeah, they they get a little bit weird. Well, yeah, because he was on mushrooms. But oh, well, that explains <laughs> it. Well, anyway, yeah. um, I I got into Dune in like sixth or seventh grade. I remember doing a book report on Children of Dune, explaining the Golden Path, and my teacher writing. I don't think you really understood that. And I, I went to him. I said, No, no, this is what it said. Exactly. It, it's it's it suffers from what um, at least red red letter media kind of identified in me is. If you see something that's stupendous and good enough, but it has nothing that sticks with you, nothing of substance, and you can't remember the chain of events, the characters, or anything that led you to them, it ceases to become material and starts to become pulp. It just starts to become just kind of drivel. And it's fine. Pulp is fine. But in the Dune series, it would be like, what if there was a series of Lord of the Ring novels that were really confident and really decent and got that noggin joggin and got your brain just exploding? And then there were a series of like really pulpy novels where like every few scenes somebody just got stabbed or called an epithet for some reason. And you're like, who is this for? I mean, it's in the setting, but it's like the spray paint version. Yeah. Why? There were at least some some good, some interesting ideas in the later books. Ideas, Yes. I agree. There was a framework, and I think time ran out. He, he was he was going somewhere with it for sure. He just yeah. It's I I get the ideas, but it was I I think a lot of that was just ghost written, and it was just ideas put into something to make money in in the time that was there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just write something to. To fulfill the contract, really. Yeah, get the book out to honor like a book deal or something so you can get another one or what have you. Because, I mean, 
royalties suck and they pay artists dick and that that's awful but i i think that we both agree on the core concepts i think his son's work is um i my the best comparison i can drum up is that the original author's work the the width and breadth of it is is much like a fine tawny port it is full-bodied it is sweet it is bold and it is bracing in the correct ways uh whereas his son's work reminds me most frequently of like chili cheese fries it it is it is greasy and snackable and you know it's 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 a guilty pleasure um it certainly but you will feel like shit later for having imbibed it and the other thing which is more alarming and i feel that this is something i carry with me is that if you have both of them on the same plate as a composed palette <laughs> It's exceptionally jarring to have both port and chili cheese fries as like a composed. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. they're so, very different. Yeah, they didn't know. They're two very different things. Like um, Dune is your big world geopolitic, a lot of commentary on power, on imperial power, on hereditarial or heredital power, on the notion of power through hydraulic monopoly, and all of these other just huge big brain ideas to include like planetology and slowly converting a world not using crazy magical machines which belch magical gases which make the atmosphere better but actually doing it converting a world using just normal ecology yeah, and yeah. stuff like terraforming like the way that we would terraform Mars or Venus or something, you know, in real right, life. Which he Herbert I mean, if we don't, you know, kill ourselves first. Yeah. And that's Herbert had gathered all that from research he'd done with the U.S. Army on uh, soil conservation and a lot of other things they were looking at. And I, I thought that was incredible, like the level of research and depth he put into these characters and concepts. Whereas his son's work is a lot like the Flash Gordon movie <laughs> where there's there's themes. You go, oh, yeah, that's the hero. And oh, that's... That's the bad guy. And Here's some names you might recognize. Yeah. Oh, his name's Atreides. His name's Harkonnen. What's yeah, going to happen and, there? And I bet they're going to fight because they're in the same room. You know? <laughs> so yeah. you're sitting there reading through it. But Oh, here's here's how the feud starts. Ooh. I bet this is where they beef. I bet. I, and then, yeah, I was sitting there reading through theirs. And, you know, I, I, was, I was a cynic even then when those books came out. And I was a young man. I think I read. I was just sitting there. The House of Atreides prequel. And I read the Butlerian Jihad, yeah. and I went, that's enough for me. I think I'm going to put these down. The Butlerian Jihad... Mm, it was okay. The, Butler, the Butlerian Jihad books, those books it would be good books if they weren't Dune books. Yeah. If they weren't Dune books, the Butlerian Jihad would be a great What If Future War series. And, and they didn't do that. They, they made a very uh, kind of Dune-ish thing. They were like... It seemed to me like like Brian Her or whoever was ghostwriting under Brian Herbert's name um, kind yeah. of missed the idea of the Butlerian Jihad because there's like Leto says I think in God Emperor he says the Butlerian Jihad was was as much against thinking machines as it was against the machine mentality right the the idea of of, of things that we do without thinking that that's the real danger not just the machines right and and that the, those are those are ideas we talk about like today. Well, yeah, the automated way of life, the regimented bureaucracy of, you know, interpersonal communications in a hierarchical society. Like, those are big brain thoughts. And I that's why I love Dune, because every time I read it, I find something relatable. I find it kind of interesting. There's concepts, philosophies, and things that aren't just cool to say, but you're like, ooh, fear is the mind killer. It does actually kill my higher thinking. Oh, anxiety has held me back. Fuck, this book is good. Depressing. But good. A lot of knife fighting. But um, oh my, oh my God, you're right. Yeah, so much knife. It's knife it's fight ni city. Yeah, Is that what you're getting? The planet. At? Yeah, yeah, knife fight planet. <laughs> Arrakis. Knife fight planet. Knife fight planet. Just all these, just fucking. Yeah. I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna go there. But yeah, you're right. You're right. Could you imagine? Everyone is so respectful. Everyone is so respectful of the Fremen as a concept. Because in the old movie, uh, in the Lynch movie, they just made him some tall, like, Australian-looking dude. And he was like, you are good! I was never ah. clear on how wearing a black rubber suit helps you dissipate heat don't, in the desert. Don't worry about it. It's, it's, it's the piss suit. Every time you walk around, 
it it turns your piss into it's it's the rubber piss suit because you'll be pissing your kidneys out wearing a rubber suit in the desert. P- piss is stored in the thigh pads. <laughs> That's what he says. You just imagine as you're walking along and you just hear someone taking an enormous piss. You just hear the fluid swishing around. You're like, gross. And like, Stop. Don't look at me while I'm peeing. God, that they must be dysfunctional. But so in, in the old movie, they made like the Fremen, you know, these these like big, tall, proud looking people. And in the new movie, they make them just kind of very mysterious, quiet, wise, but certainly set in their own ways, kind of otherworldly people. Yeah. Very to the point. Very brief. Yeah. Like, hey, here's the rules. Here's what's going to happen. Here's how I'm going to act. And it's all yeah, minimalist. Yeah. It's like, I don't care who you are. This is what protocol says in my culture. Fuck you. Fit in or get out. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's it's a really interesting approach to character. That was conveyed really well, by the way. I, I was just like, fuck yeah. They didn't make him overly friendly. The, the attitude like, of the knife prevalent throughout Fremen culture, uh, which incidentally, the attitude of the knife is how I write scenarios. Something is, you take that which is incomplete, you cut off the incomplete part, and you say, now it's finished because it ended exactly. here. Exactly. No, and I, that's... That's what that's what I ended up doing with a lot of scenarios. It is hard as a DM to learn when to cut shit out because you may in your head think, oh, this is clever. This will be interesting. But if you know they're not going to go that way, don't waste time. Use that in another scenario. I, I always tell people your scenario isn't finished when there's no more you can add. It's it's finished when there's no more you can take out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Especially for shotgun scenarios. Especially if you can sum up like a 45 minute role play opportunity hook session everything for the dm literally on a half page if you can fit all that in a half page that's a good campaign note well that that's a shotgun scenario a scenario in a hundred in 1500 words or less exactly and i i'm all for brevity i hate i hate scenario packs where it's like here's your 30 pages of backstory and i'm like nope not not gonna do that i think i've told you haven't i about some of the the Paizo adventure paths that I play with my group and we'll like encounter an NPC and the DM like flips over a page and goes, no, hold on, flips another page, flips another page. Cause there's like two and a half pages of backstory oh. and motivation for this character who attacks you on site and fights to the death and you can't negotiate with. <laughs> what? What? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. So I, I had an idea. I ran a game uh, that was that was recorded and is being edited. Uh, it's called The Magistrato Mundanus. I was thinking my next game, I want to... A lot of people have talked about it that were there, and then many other people have heard excerpts of what people talked about, like the the flash mob shootout that started the whole thing, or uh, that, that was amazing, because everyone was declaring actions at the same time when something went down. Like, there was... Okay, there was a fight in a barbershop. Like, because, okay, pretense. None of these people are cops. No one in the Magistrata Mundanus are police. They find themselves on a planet, and like the Imperial bureaucracy does, they get a work lottery ticket on their convoy ship, and it says, and, and they all get the same one, and regardless of their background, whether they be noble or common criminal, they are all put on the same bus, and they show up, and they're told they're all police, and all their paperwork says they're police. The paperwork can't be wrong, so they're all police. So you have all these people who aren't cops who are forced to be cops or they will get in trouble at figuring out how to police. And the leader is Deputy, who is who has never played 40K before, but he asked a bit about the Imperium and blah, blah, blah. And he was looking through pictures and he goes, who's that guy in the gas mask? And I was like, oh, that's the Death Corps of Creek. And he says, I want to play one of those guys. So Deputy reads everything on the Death Corps of Creek. He can. Everything. And he, Deputy does speak German. And he he wears a gas mask for parts of this when his character is wearing a gas mask and talking. His character is a Krieger guardsman, a cavalry officer who <laughs> is a cop and he's a sergeant. And it, it like so this is this is their team. That's great. Gas they mask. get a call. Stop right there in the name of the law. Yeah. So they get a call of a fight at a barber shop. So they pull up. They pull out. It's pissing rain. They get out of the APC. They come tromping into the thing. There's a ring of people surrounding two people fighting over a pair of scissors. And one of them's obviously the barber. And the other is obviously a guy with a shit haircut. And it is just going back and forth. And the guy's like, 
the customer wants to stab the barber and the barber is saying like, I wasn't done with it. That's why it looks like shit. And then everyone else is like, fucking stab him. He gives shitty haircuts. And other people are like, no, no, it wasn't done. Like, let him finish. It was going to look good. And like two different groups like are yelling. So these guys who aren't cops come in. So first guy runs up, kicks the door open, pulls a pistol and aims it at the ceiling and goes magistratum mundanus and pulls the trigger. And I, uh, and I just go, have you even looked at the handgun? And he goes, no. And I'm like, all right. He pulls the trigger. It's like a 44 Magnum. So it's just like pop ring round goes through the ceiling. Everyone's like, what the fuck? In that same action, another guy goes, halt magistratum mundanus and like has a huge club and is about to hit a guy and then another guy outside just goes drop it and then the main thing just drills the guy like goes says i'm going to shoot the scissors and i'm like oh oh and he shoots them like he trick shoots the fucking scissors out of this guy's hand with a 44 magnum meanwhile outside a guy hears all these gunshots And just takes the gun out of his holster and lazily puts it up in the air and pulls the trigger just so he can be part of it. <laughs> like, that's his, just so, you just hear, da, 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 inside, and he's just like, pop. <laughs> <laughs> this is their first thing they do. Well, I mean, it's it's a good I, thing the guy I, who trick yeah. shot the scissors didn't have, you know, a bolt pistol or the guy's hand to be fucking gone. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, I, I only gave them, like, ballistic weapons for, like, three quarters of the game because they were nobodies. Um, but what I was thinking is of running a Delta Green game in time. Uh, I would love to get a squad together of of Deltards, of, of people, and, and descend on a series of very sketchy government assignments to uh, do all sorts of things in America for various reasons. And uh, I, 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 if if you would, if you would, uh, at least entertain the notion of joining in at such a date, because I, I, I think that being on the other end of Delta Green, away from all of the cerebral uh, and terrifying nonsense of the deep, I think some very shallow lore instead would be refreshing, much like whipped cream. <laughs> because you, you guys, uh, I, I see you guys talking about. Um, Cthulhu and everything and all this deep lore and you're like oh well did you know these are actually the secret servants of this and oh well you could actually counter it with this and oh you're making all That's these references really what I, and do. I'm like, I don't I don't go that hard into the 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 deep lore of the mythos no the, the bit that appeals to me about the mythos is the intersection of like science fiction ideas and and cosmic horrors oh. that's 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 where i live oh same i i love the science fiction part of it as well if i my tank on deltard green would be like not as much of the mythos and more of the roadside picnic if you know what i oh, mean oh yeah like max is really into that but cuz i i've heard one of the best parts of Delta Green is you can say you don't even have to have the mythos in it you could just say it is mcguffinium and you're all trying to find it. And it's all about this magic in the world. Yeah, you could have forget a, the mythos. I mean, yeah. you can just you can just run Delta Green like Fringe or, or the X Files and have that be yeah. your campaign. Yeah, exactly. And I've I've heard of very successful long term Delta Green games where people played X Files and they had it slowly ramp up to like, oh, you have to kill Slenderman or whatever, you know, like some sort of weird giant thing. But a lot of it is just like slowly covering your tracks as you're unraveling this deep government conspiracy, which is another fun thing so dune apparently has a role-playing game it does yes it has art that is gorgeous mm-hmm. uh, great art i that the the art the art looks great i believe that's medifius's yeah yeah, yeah. same guys who did uh, d20 star trek star trek star trek excuse me yes um so what is what is your take on the new Dune in terms of effectiveness because he does chop the movie neatly, but I I do have some extreme criticisms on a few points. I had my doubts when I was hearing about how Villeneuve's Dune was going to be two parts. Like I was thinking, well, where's where's he going to cut it? Like there's not a spot. There's not really a spot where you can neatly chop it in half, but I guess there is. Um, something that I didn't notice until until. I watched the Red Letter Media. They pointed it out. Villeneuve's Dune ends right about the same spot where Lynch's Dune rapidly advances the plot and like does a big time skip. Interesting. But ending it where he did after Paul kills Jameis is 
that does kind of work because that is that is sort of a turning point in the story. Well, it's a turning point for Paul as a person because that's when he begins to kill and he's like, I'm okay with this. And, and that's, yeah, that's when it changes. That's when he takes, you know, it's, it's all living by the blade. That's where that begins to apply to him. But the one thing that I worried about was, okay, they cut it in half. I figure it's gotta be when they go into the desert. I figured it's going to be like my, my idea was they cut it a little earlier. Like, and I know this sounds dumb, but I figured it would be, they go into the desert you see him fly into that storm and that's where it ends. Just fly into the storm to be continued. Yeah. Well, that's, that's where the sci-fi miniseries ended the first, the first act of three. Yeah. I would, I would have ended it there. I would have ended the crash in the desert. And then the second movie is them coming, crawling out of the tent. You know what I mean? Like, like them, like that sets the tone. It's like, okay, they're out in the desert. It's establishing shot, beautiful desert dunes, da, da, da. Villeneuve presents Dune. I didn't like that they cut the banquet scene. I I thought that would have shown, that would have shown like a lot of heavy handedness of the Harkonnens still being ever present there through the various brokers and all the other various powers. So it shows that even though they control the fief, they're still other parties there controlled by other parties to fuck them up because they have monopolies on like water or various other things. And they're there to ruin you in various yeah, that ways. That would have been a great scene to showcase some of the internal house politics of, of the Lanzarote. Yeah, and if, if they showed that, if they showed a little bit more about Gurney Halleck, if they showed a little bit more, more I would have liked to have seen him jam on that fucking Balaset. Yeah. Like, yeah, dude, that's Gurney needs to jam on the fucking Balaset. He needs to get out there and just do the Balaset version. The spice starts flowing and don't stop flowing. <laughs> Eat too much and your eyes start glowing. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> exactly. He needs to go out there and just jam on that shit and everyone needs to be into it and it needs to be weird and cool. And and that is, that is shit they missed. They missed all the little parts about Gurney that aren't about him being a hard ass and aren't about him being a fighting man. If I remember, Gurney was... Was 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 rescued from the Harkonnen fighting the Harkonnens, by Duke Leto, yeah. which is why he right. hates the Harkonnens. Um, and that and his prodigious martial skill are what makes him the perfect man to be Leto's war master. Right. And it's one of those things where you his backstory is also important because he's the warrior poet. He's the warrior songwriter. He's he's that he's a battle bar historical literary hero of the warrior troubadour, like you would see in, you know, God King Henry the Eighth's time. I mean that is Elizabethan as a concept in in, in the West and certainly before that in the Italian states. And so you have these interesting concepts and characters bred into this. And then people are like, why do you like Dune? And I'm like, well, because everything has fucking layers you can appreciate, you dolt. Yeah, like an onion. Like an onion. It'll make you cry the deeper you go. Oh, I would... here's something that'll make you cry, Tex. Uh, I saw an article. I can't remember where. Oh, all right. The, the gist of the article was, it was an article arguing that Duncan Idaho's death scene in this first film should be retconned in in the sequel and that he should come back. Oh, so they've read the book. No. I see. No, they haven't. Oh, oh, so they're making a suggestion. Yep. I see. They're that bad. I yep. I, I, I get it. Uh, all right. Yeah. Go Hollywood, I guess. This, this bad boy can fit so many Duncans out of Axotl tank. Just get in there, buddy. Just get in there. Don't worry about it. I'll just make another one. The Emperor smashes about three. It'll be all right. You got some moxie. He won't last a week. Uh, yeah, so... <laughs> we trained him as a mentat as a joke. <laughs> okay, that's a good one. Uh, yeah. Um, that is that is embarrassing. Anyway, Gurney. Gurney needed more. Um, Gurney needed a lot more, as did... Uh, God, Thufir, uh, Thufir, um, I bet Thufir is going to have a bigger part in the second film because he gets, he gets yeah, captured he by the Harkonnens his... and he starts, he starts working for them, but also sabotaging them from the inside. Well, I know that much, but they need to establish all the many times, like I, I keep, I hate to say this, but it sounds like almost like a Wes Anderson sequence. And so you could have all of the many fold tasks of, 
you know, his managing the head of household shown that this man lives a mechanical life and he is essentially a computer of input and output of information. And he controls this vast estate by the power of his intellect alone. He puts everything in motion. And if they had shown what a Mintat was through him, through managing anything, 90 seconds you could have shown the power of a Mintat. Instead, they had him do a throwaway line like, oh, his fucking tickets were expensive. And he's like, yes, many Solaris. And I'm like, that that's that's how you show the guy's smart? He knows what air tickets cost? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously? The guy is, he's the master of spies. The guy is a master of spies. He is a master of assassins. The guy has fought wars in the dark constantly against every major and minor house, every major and minor intrigue. Well, he's he supposed to be somewhat unusual among the great houses, isn't he? For being not only a mentat, but also a military commander. Oh, yeah. That's why Harkonnen wanted him gone. Like, was like, this guy needs to be out of the picture or ours. Because that was this the guy reason why yeah. House Atreides had these, these this formidable army that the other houses were kind of afraid of, was because they were so expertly trained by Thufir Howat, Duncan Idaho, and Gurney Halleck all together. Not because they had stupid fucking sound guns like in the Lynch movie. <laughs> Which, incidentally, I have a thought about that. Okay, um, okay. There's, there's a line in the book. <laughs> okay, um, a line, a line. You hear, found... Hear me out, hear me out. Uh, hear me out. Hear me right, out, okay. okay. So there's a line in the book um, where Paul says, my name is a killing word. Yes, right? like in the name of the jihad, yeah. Yeah, where he realizes he's created He's this, created a this... cause that will harm. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So... Yeah, no, I get that. That's horrifying. And that line appears in the David Lynch film um, where... Paul's teaching him how to use the weirding modules and somebody says into the microphone Maudib and then somebody fucking explodes and Paul goes my name is a killing word so my thought is I think Lynch found that line thought he was clever and wanted to use it literally thus were the the, the weirding modules born Lynch money and he's like I'll make your fucking movie (laughs) didn't he reportedly hate working on the film and not want anything to do with it again he hates everything. Well, I mean, I'm not a big David Lynch fan myself, honestly. Yeah, I get that. So, I mean, it's the Lynch the Lynch movie is Dune at Home. Uh, the Villeneuve is Dune uh, done by your art friend. What I think we need to see, let's discuss. Dor- Dune, your okay, mom? Uh, Thufir had, oh shit, goddamn. <laughs> My mom would probably kick your ass, man. She's a human behavioral psychologist. Oh shit, she's a bet. She's a yeah, reverend she's mother. Like in, no, dude, she, yeah. <laughs> she she is like interrogator trained and she specializes, get this. Okay. She specializes in autism. <laughs> so, it's one of those things where like my mom can never know how to get into the legion because it would be like letting a shark in a minnow tank. We'd all be Oh fucked. no. She'd be like No, she'd be like, "Why are you doing that? That's that's interesting aberrant behavior and it stems from this. Who did this to you?" And you'd be like, "Ah! Ah!" And you'd just go to your corner and be like, "The Bene Gesserit which must leave." Yeah, the, the, the memeing guild comes forward. The Bene Gesserit which must leave. <laughs> <laughs> the BPL rejects to a psychologist. <laughs> we made Psyduck stop volunteering that he was a doctor very quickly. That was great. He was like, I'm a doctor. And within 90 seconds, people were sending him pictures of stuff. And he was like, oh, <laughs> should I see doctor like nail driven through hand? Psyduck doesn't live too far from where I am. We've been kicking around the idea of, of getting together. You guys need to go shooting. He shoots. Oh, really? Yeah, he shoots. Oh, well, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Someone's got to teach me how to shoot. He's got a cool author. You should go check him out. Um, but yeah, so when it comes down to Dune, I mean, it they scrapped through fear. They scrapped several scenes that I was like, this adds a lot. They did a good job of, of a lot of the visuals were great. The direction great was visuals. great. The pacing was a little slow. The casting was good, except for Duncan fucking Idaho. Who the fuck makes Aquaman? You didn't like Momoa. I thought he was okay. I didn't hate him. Aquaman. Really? Yeah. I didn't hate it. Really? Yeah. Who, who, who would you cast for Duncan Idaho Tex? Not Aquaman. <laughs> 
Okay, what what is Duncan Idaho described as, please? Ah, uh, I gotta look it up. Hold on. No, no, go ahead. No, bro, look it up. I'm not saying off the top of your head is it got you. I'm saying look it up. Let's go ahead and find a description because I will find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do this. Let's do this. I Hold will on. find. I, I, yeah, yeah. Just check, check the 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 Dune I'll wiki. The Pay Dune your wiki, guild yeah. fees and salaries and let's yeah, do one hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah, okay, here we go. Uh, Duncan Idaho was said to be very handsome. Black curly hair, dark complexion, and green or blue eyes uh, was regarded as something of a ladies' man. Okay, easy. Dark complexion, curlier hair. I would think shorter because naturally, blade. You know, blade master. Right. You don't want stuff whipping around. Right. Uh, somewhat of a ladies' man, like suave. You want someone who radiates like control and so, energy. Somebody charismatic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But someone who also radiates like control and energy. You know, like this person could kick your ass. Right. Yeah, Idris Elba. Oh, exists. Shit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Got got him in one. Yeah. Oh wow. Wow. <laughs> my first check is better. Ching. Yeah. That's, that, Hands down. Now Hands look, down. that that display of Gurney Halleck. I I all right. The Gurney in the movie. I love Brolin. I think he's a great actor. But I think his approach to Gurney Halleck was like. It was like Gurney Halleck playing Red Foreman from that 70s show. Like, I'm going to kick your ass. That was his only mood. And I was like, where's the poet? Where's the troubadour? Where's the person who has spirit, but also in the moment draws you to attention and is like, you got to learn how to fight too. All right, now let's go have a song. All right. All right. That's my lad, you know, or, but hey, I'll beat the shit out of you in a day just to remind you who you are. But all right, so let's go get a drink. You know, just. They they say of, of Gurney Halleck. Uh, he could kill you while singing and never miss a note. Yeah. And they don't really show that. Now, I don't know also that I, the, the other thing I don't get is they show the awfulness of, all right. So they land on Dune and they show how hot it is. It's wavy air hot. Okay, mm-hmm. we've all seen wavy air hot. It's wavy air hot. They sit Orange there. filters. They, yeah, they show deserts of Karak. You land on the deserts of Karak. Karak is not yet burning. And they they open it up and they get out bagpipe-ish things and make bagpipe-ish noises. Ooh, I have a thought about that. Please. I have a please. thought. Okay. So so that that all is right. that is an example of some environmental storytelling. All okay? right. So House Atreides... Uh, traces its lineage back to ancient Greece. They claim to be the son, the descended from the sons of Agamemnon, right? Atreus, yeah, exactly. So their their main fief is is Caladan, which is this like oceanic water planet with like cliffs and fjords and just rain rocky and... cliffs everywhere. Nothing but rocky cliffs and ocean crashing against it. And castles. Don't don't forget the castles. Too. So many castles. So the name Caladan is an allusion to. The Latin name for for Scotland and for northern northern Britain, Caledonia. Right now, you have this great house uh, with very strong Greco-Roman influences, um, who has been on Caledon long enough that the local Celtic culture has been absorbed into their identity. So now they play bagpipes for their for their marches. Environmental storytelling. Yeah, and I think also the bagpipes contrast, like, here is this planet that has never heard this noise before. And it is it is it's striking because it's alien. It's it's striking in the way that it is so alien it's jarring because it's like here's a desert, it's just atmosphere sound, wind and pounding heat and all the engines idling out in the desert, and then here it comes Suddenly. Yeah, and you're like, What is going on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, God, and then, and then people just staring off into space, like, who are these people? It's a great scene, and I do, unironically, like bagpipes. Well, the the thing that I was weirded out by uh, was okay, the Sardaukar, right? So also a great scene. Yeah, but it's like ah, burger, cheeseburger, burger, yeah. Kramer, what is going on in there? We're at a Sarda car, Jerry. We're the Emperor's Blade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My favorite Seinfeld meme, which which has been really, I guess, a telling of the times, but my favorite Seinfeld meme is the one where he's like, and then I'm like, yeah, and then I cut him with his blade. <laughs> I'm riding the worm. I called a big one. Are you the Quizzats Hatterack? Yeah, I'm the Quizzats Hatterack, Jerry. Uh, but yeah, the... Uh, I thought you were the little son Al-Kaib. <laughs> I could do names. God, yeah. The 
I like I like the Sardaukar. I love how they descended. You, you can't you can't kick me out, Jerry. My name is a killing word. <laughs> yeah, which one? Oh, it writes itself. <laughs> I I like them descending from when when they do that scene where they descend all quiet and they've got the blades or they're like, oh shit, Sardaukar. Uh, yeah, just floating down yeah. on suspensors. I, I, I love where they're like, oh shit, Sardaukar. Like when they realize they're fighting Sardaukar in the initial raid. Yeah, they're in, I think that scene could have been done a little better um, with the initial attack where they're like, oh shit, Sardaukar. I think it would have been crazy if the Sardaukar had just come in and just started massacring people. I would have had it been like horrible, like how Vader was killing people at the end of Rogue One. Oh, what a scene. Yeah, I, so you just like, oh shit. That way at the end... When you see the Fremen kick their ass, you go, oh, then you appreciate that balance more instead of, oh, here, hey, here's some guys with swords that do like weird cult stuff and say they'll kill everything. Well, here's some other guys that also kill stuff. And it, it just doesn't make you appreciate it. However, uh, one point I will say they did great job on was the fucking lasers. Yeah. Yeah, they did a really good job with the, the laser gun. Laser gun? Laser gun? Laser Lays gun effects. Uh, actually, I have a thought about that, too, which is that I think I think Villeneuve took the laser gun shield interaction and kind of wrote it out of the setting because, honestly, it creates more problems than it solves. Because when, when Duncan's doing his bit in the ornithopter, love the ornithopters, by the way. The oh, ornithopters yeah, that are is, fucking that is great. Sex. In fact, did you notice uh, in the ornithopter cockpits, every single instrument is 100% analog because no computers, because environmental storytelling. I love environmental storytelling. I ate the environmental storytelling up on uh, Fury Road. All the little things, all the little pieces of art. I would free, uh, my friends would get mad because we'd be watching Fury Road and I'd freeze a sequence and I'd wind it back and look at that and I'd be like, oh cool, I had that get there. You know, like I'd, I want to know what it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like I, I love The guys on well. stilts, like what the fuck? Yeah, why are they there? Like I just What go, are they yeah. doing? I didn't... Another day in the swamp, just going to walk around on my stilts and clank, say hi to clank, the bog people. Clank. Oh, semi today. Tex, did you play the Mad Max video game? I did. I just didn't know where it fit into the um, story or whatever. Uh, the, the the loose canon of the Road Warrior. Well, they were always presented as like legends told by people long after, weren't they? Uh, I liked the video game. I thought it was okay. Um... Actually, I thought it kind of had the inverse problem of Arkham Knight, which was criticized for having too much Batmobile stuff. I think Mad Max had not enough vehicle stuff. I think the vehicle combat should have been front and center. Yeah, the on-foot fighting stuff was just weird because it was like... I didn't know that Mad Max was a professional wrestler. I didn't know that Max had to go in and fight enemies that fell into like four or five known archetypes, like guy with drums suspended from ladder who you can interact with to destroy, or a uh, guy who takes two knockdowns to kill. Like, why? Why are these... Mad Max should be a story about getting places. Yeah, not getting out of places exactly. and having well, it's, free flow combat. Although the free flow combat was actually fairly well implemented. Yeah, the implemented free flow com I mean, basically, Mad Max should be a story about getting between places. The long, thin unknown between civilization yeah. should be horrifying. That should be you should yeah, just yeah. just just the open road and wasteland and vehicle combat. The because the vehicle combat was really solid in that. Game. Yeah, I I would attune the vehicle combat a little bit to have a wider variety of vehicles, so you could you could have like murder trucks. Oh. And like maybe yeah, put me behind the wheel of the war rig. That'd be fucking sick. Well, I would say you have to choose a class. Like you have bikes, you know, like bikes and buggies. So you could be the guy that's like up on the canyon walls, like revving, doing yeah. crazy gecko stuff in it. And then you can what if yeah, what if you're driving a war rig? And maybe maybe, maybe this is like a one-off mission type or something. But you're driving a war rig, and you gotta lock the steering, and then get out, and then fight the guys who are jumping on trying to trying to try to sabotage it and then get back in before the truck careens off a off a cliff or something there you go there's your gameplay well that that sounds that's that's your intro that's your intro to the game oh like yeah that's, that's how you teach people handling and vehicle handling and then later on you can get the war rig and you're like fuck yeah i've got the power i've got the power smash into things your war rig yeah well people love smashing stuff with giant things and mm -hmm. it feels good mm -hmm. and that's what it should be america is about destroying things and the post-apocalypse being very strangely clean cut 
everyone had full sets of teeth. It was amazing. Except for the bullet farmer. Except for the bullet farmer. But, I mean, I think that was largely a, a, a voluntary process. I, I think he was just going Maybe he in. was missing teeth because he misunderstood what a bullet farm was. He is doing his best within <laughs> his expertise. The one thing that I don't appreciate in Mad Max, and it always drives me bonkers, is in Mad Max they never quite set the date of the apocalypse so you're like you're like max was there when civilization was still there and it's like then why is he like in his 30s and it seems like the bomb dropped 30 years ago 40 50 years ago there's generations i mean that's that's the quasi-mythical nature of the narrative i guess i mean maybe maybe there isn't just one mad max the road warrior maybe there's a bunch of people who have taken on the name well yeah and the other thing is that nobody has any idea what's beyond the horizon it's more wasteland just like real australia don't at me australians yeah, don't don't at him please he'd he'd the, you'll throw a boomerang it'll cut his head off and then it'll come back to you but it might hit your ground harness and once it hits that wouldn't it come back upside down well, that's true, but but what I'm saying is if it strikes your ground harness on the way back, you could become untethered and fall off the earth all the way down there. So the, the ground harness is very, very dangerous. You need to make sure that's buckled when you use a boomerang. Yeah, that's true. Always wear your fall protection equipment. Yeah, because otherwise in Australia, people fall all the time. They, they're just they're just leaving their house. They're leaving their house, and they, they take a step, and they're like, Oi, me ground harness, and then it goes... Is that what they sound like? Because that's how they talk. They talk like... Right. They, yeah, they talk like... I didn't know you were Australian, Tex. Yeah, they, they talk like uh, Victorian wastrels uh, out of a Dickens, Dickensian nightmare. And and then they're, they're like, Oi, gov, you me mom. And then they fall off the Australia. Anyways, Dune. Dune. Dunk. Is yes. A, right. So we were talking about laser guns. For the benefit of people who are listening who don't know what the fuck a laser gun is or a laser gun shield interaction, uh, in, in the deep lore of Dune, um, when a laser gun strikes a Holtzman shield... Basically, a, a nuke goes off, and it's a big, big no-no, big uh, Greek convention yeah, violation. Or, or the equivalent of. It, it, it's like, basically, the idea is a shield is like a laser you wear or something equivalent in terms of a field. And if you shoot another beam of concentrated energy at this concentrated energy shield, both go angry. This is 1950s writing, so forgive it. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's... It doesn't make a lot of sense, idea. but you it's fine. It's fine. It's not the only thing in Dune that doesn't make any sense. It's, the idea is that the reason that people don't just use these laser guns all over the place is because shields are in use a lot, and people use them, and nobody wants to fucking explode themselves. Uh, but a lot of times in the narrative, um, people are concerned that somebody like there's a i think there's a sequence actually like when they first get to arrakis in the book when gurney is specifically worried that the harkins are going to put a laser up on the shield wall and just blow up the palace by setting yeah up the and shield. it would yeah so to roll back to what i was saying before about the ornithopter sequence i think villeneuve just took that out of the setting just to cause fewer problems Exactly. And it would be a because, well, we, we grew up in an era where they'd be like, why, why wouldn't someone just annihilate themselves and everyone else around with this weapon of opportunity that if they know this person has a shield? Like and, the problem they have in Star Wars, which is why don't you just solve every problem by doing a hyperspace ram? Well, why wouldn't you just solve every problem by doing a laser gun shield interaction? Yeah, it's. Exactly. But see, that was the 50s. And, and, and this is now. And, and we are a bit more cynical about the world and the balance of it. Yeah, funny how a cold war will do that to a civilization. Yeah, it's funny, you know, this, this access to information making all people equal and very angry. Very, very angry. So I, I would say they did a lot of things great in the new Dune. I, I found a lot of things I enjoyed. I, I, what I'm thinking is that I need to see Villeneuve's second act. I need to see that before I judge the whole. I, I like what he's set up, but I I think that there's some odd miscastings. They're showing some things and not other things. They didn't show a lot of the guild. They didn't show a lot of the Imperium. Like I, was I think like, that's intentional. I think what Villeneuve was trying to do was he was trying to, well, yeah. to set up the Emperor as this kind of like far off, distant, mysterious ruler figure about which we know basically nothing like trying to make him sinister by by making him not present um the sci-fi miniseries kind of went a different direction with that they had all these interludes in the first two acts on on kaitan with with shadam and with with fenring and irulan to kind of make them make them important characters and make 
sure the audience knew who they were so that when they showed up in the very last scene, we knew what the stakes were. Right. right. And I, I understand both approaches. It's because when we talk about Dune, we're talking about there's the Lynch movie, there's the sci-fi series, there's the uh, what if villain or the what if Jordowski's Dune. Oh, Jodorowsky's Dune would have been a gong show. Yeah, it, which would have never been made. No, because been I, made. well, I looked at all the pieces and I said, the problem is, is that what he was trying to make was the same thing I see in a lot of restaurants. When someone says this is a nice restaurant, I, I look at, okay, well, what is their nice, what are they known for? And if they're known for something simple done really well, like we make the best burger in town and they show a great looking burger and everyone's enjoying it. I go, wow, okay, that's, that's, that's probably true. They have probably a pretty good burger. But when someone says I have assembled the choicest mix of the most complex and the most bold choices of ingredients and the most expensive ones, and I have put all of them together into this thing that will be great, I go, that is not how you cook. That is not how you ingredient source. You can't make a movie out of nothing but headliners. Hollywood tries this like every 10 years. They make a movie that has like starring, and it has like 50 stars. And you're like, but no, it's too many things. And 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 I see a lot of this comparison. I do. Is 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 with Yordowski's Dune. I I think that there's some elements of that that could work together, but I think he was all hat and no cattle. It was a bunch of fucking crazy ideas that would have been amazing, but there's no way he could have made like any of that work together. Didn't he any blow like it. his entire budget on just pre-production? Yeah, because his pre-production involved his pre-production was like, ah, yes, who do I cast as the emperor? Let's see. Uh, Salvador Dali, of course. Let's get let's get Salvador Dali, one of the most difficult human beings in the world to work with, and let's put him on camera under a contract. That's no worry. And 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 then you're like, but but why? And then you look at all of these crazy ideas. I mean, the art that comes out of there is cool, and the concepts whoa, whoa, that come whoa, out whoa, of there. Text. Are, whoa, dude, do you own that artwork? Do you have the NFT Listen, for that artwork? I, I own everything I look at. That's my religion. I, I If I look at it, it lives in my brain compartment. Wow. And you don't own my brain compartment. Just, just right-clicking your way through life. Look at this guy. I right-click at life, man. I right-click at life. It's like one of those things where people go, oh, my God, I need to take eight pictures of that. And I was like, why? You were here. You were here. You witnessed it. You lived here. You don't. You don't need to, like, pick up a souvenir. You have a memory, and over time, it'll probably change and get better. Oh yeah. Why would you? Every time you remember it, it'll it'll get a little bit different, a little better. Yeah, you can just age that memory and be like, yeah, my yeah, I was richer then. Yeah, I was smarter then too. I do that all the time. That's how I've won every argument that I've ever had, or oh, so man. I remember. That means you're a master debater. Mm, it, nice. We 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 have we have the right man to lead the pants rod. Of course. Well, I, I may not be the speaker of the Pounce Rod needs, but I think we can all agree I'm the one that we deserve. That's fair. I mean, I, I don't think anyone really got too much out of order. There were just a few heated debates on a few topics here and there. Just some great hackles. Uh, Gypsy threatened to kill members a couple of times. Ma- mainly just real-time shitposting. Uh, well, I mean, that's that's kind of the podcast. It, it, it's is, is, is just shitpost and, and brain leavings. But I, I would say that... Dune has always resonated for me as this incredible thing to read and to visualize. But the problem I find with it is that in my head, there is a perfect Dune where everyone looks a certain way and acts a certain way and has a certain accent and speech. Much like people who are very much into Lord of the Rings have a perfect Gandalf in their head. How they act and how they say things and how scenes should look, how Rivendell should look, how these councils these big meetings should look how all of these parts of this whole should look and even iconic stuff is what does saruman's tower look like you know what i mean everyone has an idea of in their head what this well-described thing what's treebeard look like what's tom tombadil look like right tom tom do you mean tom bombadil no i did tom tombadil the black pants legion is in lord of the rings he's in my lord of the rings well, Tom Tombadil is a merry fellow. No, it's, he's he's in my Lord of the Rings. Whenever I read Tom Bombadil in Lord of the Rings, it's Tom. It's just Tom. Because he's really good nature. No, no, because he's really good nature. Well, do you not do that? Do you not insert your your friends and loved ones in, in, in the books as, as ancillary characters mm, in the narrative? I don't think so. I mean, I don't 
I don't really remember like people when I think about books that I've read. Like I remember, I remember images, I remember scenes, but not not no no strong images of like people. That's interesting. That's interesting how we look at things. But if if we had to do a Dune, if if we had if someone came up to us, let's let's do the ultimate what if. If someone came up to us and they said, "We want the BPL to do a Dune miniseries." Oh no. We will pay the going rate of miniseries, which is, I guess, $100 million on the low end for 10, 10 episodes yeah, I, a season. I, I guess I could do $100 So what is, yeah. what, is, what is season one cover of Dune? What would we actually cover? Okay, well, before I answer that, let's, let me just roll back a minute. Remember when we were talking about casting? Yes. Okay, remember we were talking about Gurney? Yes. Um, Melonbread has said that he thinks Gurney Halleck should have been Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman, yeah, I could see that. Just because he comes across as like the old battle axe who's just seen through everything. He's like, all right, kid, here's how things work. But he's, but he would also be able to like sing a song and drink a beer and punch a nun or whatever, you know, you need to do to show his roguish qualities. Nun punching. So Dune the TV series. Dune the TV series. What would the first season be? Well, I'll tell you where the first season ends. First season, my first season ends at the Harkon attack. Okay. Um, so I guess the whole first season is going to be mostly intrigue and shenanigans in Arakeen. Oh. You know, r- rooting out the last of the Harkonnen sympathizers, politics and intrigue in the Lancerad, yeah. brokering deals, um, for how getting some screen time. Yeah, Oh, fuck you know yeah. what? Um, the f- first couple episodes would be on Caladan, and the, the B-plot, the B-plot would be Duncan Idaho on Arrakis trying to find the Fremen. Yeah, and he keeps finding different people like traitors and pirates and everything else who who will take him deeper and closer to it. But he starts to notice them and they start to notice him. And he could show all of that thing being worked out. All the Imperial intrigue as well. The guilds. You could have the guilds and everything else. You could show Mm. how they... No, I, I I wouldn't have the guild front and center. What I would do is I would want the guild to be like this constant background presence. So they're not like central to any scene but you always see here and there you know there's so, a guild so rep in the so streets you want them, there's a guild rep in the palace and like the banquet. so you want to be the equivalent of the techno union where they're like the techno union is ready count and then he goes into dance mode or what star wars you never saw the techno union meme i, I don't know this meme oh my god you're the meme master of the legion dude type in techno union meme i'll wait i'll wait so, so well, the techno, I always use the techno, or don't always, but frequently I will use the techno union. It's just a line of throwaway di- dialogue. They're like, the techno union has your site. It's a speaking thing. It's dead center in the screen. It's there. And you're like, well, what does that mean? Well, it's to show that this count has allies elsewhere that are vast and have come a long way. Oh, wow. I haven't seen those people before. They must have come a long way. Well, that's interesting. He has, he has interesting allies. Okay, well, that's what that means. Well, then... You look at in Dune, and you have the guild. The guild needs to be present at court. Then it needs to be present. Yeah, yeah. I, I would, I would take even one further, one step further back. I would do like, like on on Caladan when 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 Jessica and Paul are going into to their audience with with the Reverend Mother. I, I would have a guild negotiator coming out of the room as they're going in. You know, stuff like that. Yes. And that would that would be interesting to show the guild negotiations. Like it, when you see Harkonnen, I I would no, I would show the guild negotiations for when Harkonnen's preparing to bring his artillery, which is a big deal. That shows how far removed the world is from modern warfare. Yeah, that's right. The Harkonnen's use of artillery is kind of unusual, isn't it? Well, yeah, because it's expensive to ship. It's showcasing. Usually, it's just send, yeah, just send a bunch of guys in yeah. shields and have them sword fight each other. Like, why would you? Why would you try and kill someone at a distance? That's that's vulgar. You should kill them with a blade, and not only the whole blade. You, 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 there, there's an artistry to right, it. Right, right. Kill with the edge, not the Yeah, blade. there's an artistry to it. So these people are very combat snobs. Like it, people out there who are like, oh wow. Yeah. I, I did like in in the film in the Harkonnen attack uh, how. When when they're they're bombing the the Atreides dropships, the slow explosive penetrates the shield. Yeah, I didn't know what that was. The slow explosive. I was like, it should work, but you make me make me a slow bomb. I don't know, Go like ahead, a bomb with a suspense. Thank God, or something. floats down. Thank God, the bomber used a slow bomb. Otherwise, the airliner would have been totally destroyed. They managed to land before it finished going off. What is a slow bomb? Well, the shield has to have a minimum velocity setting. Otherwise, people won't be able to slow walk bomb. in and out. Right? 
Yeah, but see, there's a difference between like 90 meters a second of speed and like 2,000. I don't know. Maybe there isn't. I mean, remember your BFG fundamentals text, the slow torpedo penetrates the shield. I think shields in, in any setting where they were realistic, they wouldn't just have a small aperture you fly through. I think they would have a guy in the tower with an on-off, right? And he's just sitting there. <laughs> just just yeah. sitting there waiting yeah, on yeah, the yeah. button. Yeah, yeah. And then like a second later, a mortar shell hits it. And he's like, ha! <laughs> nice try. All right, well, here here comes the Atreides shuttle with the Duke. And to get to time the shield just right. And, oh, too soon. He's dead. God. But, really ending. But what, what I think is kind of interesting is that, you know, if, if you had a Dune miniseries and you had the, the guild, I would show him loading his artillery. Because, one, that shows how eccentric or how much he hates them. But, two, I would show the guild as very much, I would very much have it like, the movie Snatch, where you see the weird little criminal negotiations and everything, where you have a character that is suddenly comes up and is very frank and very honest about what it's going to cost. So you obviously are shipping artillery to a planet that is controlled by somebody else. What are you doing? And then you would have this guild functionary come in and go, all right, that is uh, this many artillery batteries, da-da-da, 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 all right, da-da-da. You want us to cover this? All right. Well, this, well, the going rate of revenge is one second. And then, like, he just tots it all up very openly like a mob accountant. Like, that's what I would use to show the guild. Like, they facilitate everything. They just want to know what it's for. That That would be my show of them. I, I do like that. So I I was going to say, I really appreciate you coming on the BPL podcast. It's kind of late in my day, and I have to work tomorrow in the morning. But I wanted to say it's awesome you came on here, and I look forward to collaborating with you more on horrible, horrible Delta oh, yeah. games. Oh, yeah, I'd love to. But I have a, I have a question uh, for you. In, in where can people find this Delta Green game we wrote if they were interested in running it? Okay, uh, give me a sec, just look it up here. I think it's on the, that's not on the old Fairfield Wiki, it's on the new Fairfield Wiki. Okay, so if you want to look up the, the shotgun scenario that Tex and I wrote, or all the other many shotgun scenarios uh, for, for this year and for past years, you can find them on fairfieldproject.fandom.com. Um, look for the shotgun scenarios. I think it's right there on the main page. We're under 2021 contest. One to many nights at the opera. And, and, um, that's probably going to be downvoted. They're going to be like, where's the next Tux Talks bottle tech? Well, uh, that's too bad for them because you can't download, down, download. I, damn it. You can't download a wiki. <laughs> I screwed up the sign off. That's what you need to do is you just need to start. If you start saying something stupid, here's what I do. I just start saying it in an older and older voice. So you just start, you mess up a thing. So you're like, you mean to say like, make corn while the sun shines, you know, or make hay while the sun shines. And you're just like, make corn on the apple truck. Uh, what? <laughs> and then people are just like, oh, he's doing an old man voice. He didn't have a stroke. And I'm like, ha ha. Well, there you go then. Uh, Fairfieldproject.fandom.com shotgun scenarios. Uh, there's there's like over ten years, fifteen years of scenarios there. There's a bunch of other fun fan stuff on that. There's also the old Fairfield Wiki, which is I think Fairfieldproject.wiki.com, uh, which also has a bunch of fan scenarios, which are free, by the way, including ours. Are, has anyone commented or said anything awful about it? Yeah, uh, I did get some feedback from people who voted in the contest. There wasn't actually a winner this year, and we'll get into why that was. But uh, let's see. People generally liked it. Uh, some people left feedback that said, this is a shaggy dog story, and I hate it. Um, some people left feedback that said, this is a shaggy dog story, and I love it. So there you go. They kind of run, run the, the gamut there. Oh. Um, one guy left feedback that said he thought it needed um, a longer and more detailed briefing, and, like, that's... A great way to kill a good idea but no people generally liked it some people commented that the uh the characterization of the npcs was like very brief but very clear yeah one guy specifically said he liked the way that the clues were laid out cool uh i don't know if he would have won i i doubt he would have won but that's not why i did it no I, I i just wanted to enter a weird weird something different yeah well kevin the contest administrator did did share with me that um a couple of People who did submit ballots did have us on their ballot, so I call that a win. You know that that some people liked it enough to vote for it. That's good. That's good enough for me. I think that's a win. That's like that's like putting yourself in for president. You find someone else elsewhere also thinks you too could be in a house that's white. That's kind of nice. It is nice. That's nice. That's a vote of confidence. I'll go with that. Yeah. 
yeah, I, I, I for one am content to know that somebody read it and enjoyed it. So thank you for reading it. Yeah. So what, what would you like to say to the wide world internet? What would you like to say to the wide old world of interwebs? What would you like to communicate? The, the last words are yours, sir. Splayed hand eggplant. Michael added around the honks. He always does. Hey, Mike. Look at me. Look at me. I'm the editor now. Thank <laughs> you.